being confused, uh, being disappointed in myself. You know, the major thing of all that was understanding the fact that life is short. So welcome to Millennial Manhood. You excited? Oh, do you time? I am beyond excited, man. I, I know we've been talking about doing this for a while here and uh, just finally being able to do it. Uh, I'm very excited, man. It's uh, it's an honor, especially considering all the great host, uh, other guests you have and, and how fantastic they are, especially kind of these uh, last ones that, that me and my wife have been listening to. You know, our drives to Chicago are always uh, millennial manhood trips. So uh, well, there you go. Two and a half hours, two, and a, two hours and 40 minutes. We get a chance to hear you and, and excited to, to join and uh, not only talk with you uh, like this, but also to reach your audience and, and all your, your listeners. And, and I'm, well, I'm honored to, for them to be able to hear me. Well, first of all, I am very sorry to you that, that my voice is the voice of your Chicago trips. <laughs> <There is, laughs> that is, that is, that is interesting. I, I sometimes, uh, I sometimes forget that people actually listen to this. So, uh, the trippiest thing to me is, I've had people reach out to me just for, I actually had one of these conversations earlier this week. They're like, yeah, man, like I've been, I've been listening to your podcast for however long. And the comment is always like, I feel like I already know you. And I'm like, dude, I don't know you from Adam, but sure. Okay. Uh, and they're asking for like advice on podcasts. And I'm like, great. I'll give you advice, but it's, it's weird that people listen. So, but I am grateful for it. And, um, today got Alex with me, Alex, who are you? What's your story? What's, what's the 10,000 foot view? <laughs> the 10,000 foot view, this is funny, but you know, before, before we get in really, Yovitz, I gotta, I gotta just thank you for this amazing opportunity. I'm very honored to be on, on the show with you. As I said, kind of in the intro there, uh, it's exciting to be with you. You're a very smart guy. I think you're doing great work. I think you're influencing people. I think you're making an incredible impact, uh, not only on, for you and your family, but I think, uh, people broadly. And, and that's, that's something that's incredible, especially these days, having good people with good characters, uh, they're bringing true value uh, to the, to the, you know, to the production or whatever they're producing. I think uh, it's fantastic. In terms of who am I, you know, I, I would be in very much trouble. I mentioned to you this uh, kind of before in passing. I'd be in trouble if I didn't say who I am first is a husband, according to my wife. Uh, yeah. So first of all, I'm a husband. I'm a brother. I'm a son. Uh, I'm a Serbian American. I, I, I'm a family man. I'm an Orthodox Christian. I'm somebody who loves life. I'm somebody who, who's generous, who's caring. I, I believe the goodness of people. I think that's who I, who I am. If we're going to talk about who I am, uh, who I am is uh, otherwise the material. Uh, I'm a born, not born 1986. Um, I, I come from Croatia. What is today Croatia? I'm a Serb from Croatia. My parents and I moved, uh, immigrated, similar to your story, which is how we connected, immigrated to the U.S. Uh, in October of 1990. We got lucky enough to kind of avoid uh, the war and the fighting. My mom's side was out here in, in America um, back in 68. They got lucky. And then my mom moved back in 84. Long story. But either way, immigrated to Chicago, the, the hub, the previous hub of, of the Serbian-American community. Uh, and I grew up there, spent about, what is it, 30 years, maybe, maybe less, 26, 27, something like that. Then uh, my wife and I moved out to Indianapolis. We had a great opportunity to pursue our professional degrees. I, I graduated from law school here at IU McKinney. My wife uh, just graduated from, uh, as a doctor of pharmacy from Butler University. She actually came to America eight years ago, uh, which was uh, incredible. She didn't speak any English. Uh, that's a whole other thing we can maybe even get into, how, how, how much she's impacted my life and how positive she's, uh, her motivation and what, mar what, what she's taught me about marriage and being a good husband and being a good person and growing. She's been fantastic. Um, and now, now I'm an attorney at, at a, at a mid-sized law firm here in Indianapolis. I, I'm a litigator. I practice in uh, personal injury, motor carrier defense, uh, proper, property defense. So, you know, car accidents, essentially, to, to break it down yeah. for you. And so I'm doing a lot of that. We've got a lot of great, great clients, and, and that's what I'm doing. And then as a hobby, uh, you know, when I'm not hanging out with my family, I'm not reading, I'm not learning, I'm not uh, chatting with you. I, uh, I I'm now currently the president uh, and a co-founder of, of an organization called the Serbian American Leadership Conference. That was something that uh, was we were kind of working on the background of me and the team of, of, of people there for a couple of years. And what we did was just saw a saw a void in, in our Serbian American community. And, and I had a lot of time at that time. Well, not that much time, but enough uh, to do something good. 
Yeah, and to do something good and and do something positive with it. And, uh, you know, it's been great since then. I've, I've had the opportunity to meet with a lot of members of Congress. We've done some really good things for the Serbian community. We've done some really good things for the Serbian-American community. And, you know, now it's just a matter of growing the organization and, and do a good thing. So I guess moral of the story is who I am as somebody who's focused on family and community uh, and, and understands that in order to do well for your family and community, you got to do well in the professional aspect. And so that that's mm-hmm. kind of where, where I'm at. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the things that I've been very impressed with you by, there's there's two routes I want to go down. So one, with uh, with SALC, the Serbian American Leadership Conference, you're a young guy. I mean, you're what, 34, 35? Yep, just so, 35. Yeah, so you're you're over here having conversations with uh, diplomats and members of Congress and hierarchs and churches and um, you know presidents of of states and, and all the prime ministers, all these different things. These people that most average human beings um, would find incredibly intimidating. One, and then two, wouldn't even know how to have a conversation with. So one of the things that I'm really curious about, just from a personal standpoint, like what was what you expected it to be and what was completely opposite of what you expected it to be dealing with these types of people? You know, let me just say, you know, the intimidating aspect never goes away. I think I think anyone that says that it does, no matter how comfortable you are, you know, and, and if it does, you're missing something. You don't you're not a. You're not functioning. It's that adrenaline that, that that gets pumping, and that and the adrenaline. And even in this conversation, you know, we were as we were talking, we were a little bit rushed here. I, I was a little bit rushed, kind of getting things together for my computer and issues. But like I said, it was I knew that once I get in there, it's the adrenaline's going to push, the flow is going to get going, and things will be all right. And uh, that's that's kind of how I, I went into it with these interviews. You know, my heart would be pounding, and in the end, I just said, rely on who you are. Be comfortable who you are. You're a smart guy. You're capable. You're competent. And look, if you mess up, you mess up. In, in the end, no one's going to remember you. And I always think about it. Marcus Aurelius is one of the most po- powerful uh, individuals in, in mm, all of human stoicism. history. That's right. That's a, a lot of what uh, forms who I am and, and, and how I look at life. And, you know, Marcus Aurelius did, was the most powerful. And look at him today. How many people mm. know who Marcus Aurelius is? You know, if, if, if I can get as many people remember me like Marcus Aurelius, I'll be happy. And <laughs> but in the long run, it's going to be most mostly my family and others. So any mistakes that I make is, is not going to be a big deal. And, and that kind of gives me a lot of freedom and a lot of liberty in kind of these conversations. And I think that's what helps me when I do these conversations with, with these uh, heads of state and the diplomats and members of Congress. The fact that I do feel comfortable, the fact that I'm, I'm not I'm unafraid, the fact that I'm willing to go uh, and just have a regular conversation with these people and that opens them up and, and they relax and they realize that ultimately, you know, they can just be the people that they are and not uh, these facades. And I think that's a big problem that we have today, uh, not just in politics. I think in general, I yeah, think that's, that's the whole thing in life. People are putting up a facade and that's the whole uh, thing, you know, whether it's Instagram, whether it's uh, LinkedIn or Facebook, whatever, our social media presence, whether it's at work. Uh, you know, people are putting up this facade of who they're not. And one of the things that I want to do, don't get me wrong, uh, things that I put up are targeted. This outfit that I picked out is targeted, just as like mm-hmm. as I'm sure yours is. Yours is the stuff that you post on LinkedIn, the stuff that I post, that's targeted. But I, mm-hmm. the targeted message that I put out, I never want it to be misaligned with who I am as a person. And and mm-hmm. th- that has to be. I have to have uh, kind of continuity in that. And that again, I think that's what. Uh, makes it comfortable. And that's, that's a surprise for me. When, when I'm talking to, to these uh, individuals, you know, you come in and you think, man, this is going to be terrible. These, these are like robots. These aren't even real people. And then you just start having the conversation. Mm-hmm. You realize, Hey, they're just like me. They're just like all of us. They just took the risk as well to put themselves out there, to put themselves on center stage and uh, be open to criticism and realize that, as I'm sure people are going to realize in this conversation, all the flaws, you know, that intro didn't go as, as calmly and, and as smoothly as I hoped. But yeah. you know what? I'm, I'm all right with that. It's, it's, going to be, it's going to be all right in the end and how, how it works out. And you know, that, that, that's kind of what, I, what I've gotten out of these conversations and, and, well, and the, the beauty things that of, I kind of gleaned out. Well, and the beauty of recordings is my editing team will make it very smooth. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Good. 
but but, but I, I'm not lucky enough to handle those editing teams, so I don't know how that works. So I'm looking forward to being fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, but the, the one of the comments you made was relying on who you are. I think we got the title for the podcast right there. Man, that's powerful. You know, just remembering remembering you like the way they remember Marcus. The Greeks have a saying that nobody just truly dead until uh, as long as somebody remembers them. You know, I think about that a lot as I think through life. You know, again, being like you in my 30s, young family early in my career, et cetera, you know, what do I want to be remembered for? And where do I want to make the impact? And where do I want to help people see more clearly their own flaws and their own strengths? And I think that's the thing where you t- tap on that, like Instagram, real BS. When you live in this fake world that you're creating, you can never truly be self-aware. And then you just end up in this incredibly narcissistic, you know, everything's about me mindset. Um, And I know we, we can, we can talk about, you know, maybe some of the things that you've shared with me in private, maybe some of your experiences earlier in life. Cause one of the things that I find is interesting about you, and I've never actually asked you this is you're 35 yet. You just recently finished law school. So you went down a non-traditional route. Like what happened there? What's the story? Absolutely. So, you know, um, and I'm an emotional guy. He's already already feeling the uh, the emotions coming out and, and and that rush through my body and my blood. You know, life never plays itself out as you expect it. <laughs> no. And yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, you know, it, it took me a while to realize that I'm a very I'm a very much a perfectionist. Mm. And uh, my 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 parents are very much my dad's very much a perfectionist, but that's gotten him to where he where he's been uh, and what he did and coming here and starting from scratch again, being an educated man coming here. Uh, he finished college over there, came here, you know, odd jobs, manual labor stuff. And, uh, you know, and he mm-hmm. had a government position over there and, and all that. And he had to adjust and it was a struggle. Same for with him. my dad. And, and absolutely. And I, I knew it would be. And so that had a big burden on me kind of growing up. Not, not that he, they put the burden on me or my, or my parents, uh, just that I did. I wanted to be perfect. Mm. And, you know, kind of yep. growing up, up through, through high school, I, I was, I've been blessed. I've been blessed. God gave me some some incredible gifts, maybe that I do not deserve often, and then that you know made me think a lot a lot about that as well when when things didn't go as, as planned. And you know, as I got through high school, things were easy. I could I didn't have to study, I didn't have to work hard, and anything. I pick up a play, play a sport, it came to me easy. Pick up a book, it came to me easy. I didn't have to study for tests, I'd get an A. You know, it, it was just that kind of thing. And I, I just didn't have to face adversity uh, mm. in any way. And, and it was uh, my parents really helped that and my grandparents and, and they, they, they set that path. And it, so as much as it was good, uh, it, it hurt me in some certain ways, because then when I got to college uh, and despite the fact that uh, I was capable, I, I faced some uh, emotional and mental adversities that uh, challenged me. You know, I, I had a mindset that this was going to be the way it was going to be done. And, and it didn't work out that way. And, and I had a hard time dealing with that. And, and for a while, I was embarrassed about the struggle that I went through. I, I you know, today it, it's easier, and especially in our community. That's why, and that's why I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm a very confident person. And, and, you know, it may come to surprise. Some people may be shocked in our community when I say this, but I've gone through mental health issues. You know, I've dealt with anxiety. Uh, you know, early 20s, mm. especially, I was dealing with, with anxiety and struggling. And, you know, I, I, it was one of those things where I wasn't really interested in, in, in doing the, getting the help or anything like that. It was, I was just going to push through. And uh, luckily I did. And, and, and a major part of that pushing through came from meeting my wife and, and being mm. connected with my wife when I turned 26. And even when, when, when we got married, you know, there were parts where I was uh, still growing, you know, immature. I think men, uh, a lot of men, those that can get in their 20s, get get in the right mindset and get focused and, and, and push to their goals uh, are very lucky. And I think a lot of times it takes uh, getting married and hitting the 30s to be able to focus. And so, you know, a lot of the 20s were being confused, uh, being disappointed in myself. You know, the major thing of all that was understanding the fact that life is short mm. and that I was losing time and the life is short part that really affected me was, was the fear of death. I, I, I have this immense fear of death 
And as an Orthodox Christian, it was very difficult for me to deal with because I'm somebody who does believe in the resurrection, you know, and and, mm. and does believe in you know eternal life and that does believe in theosis, you know, becoming godlike one day and, and all mm. these things. And it was just these flaws in my in myself in life. I felt I, I was not gonna reach that. And then the sense of death uh, was really hitting me that I was losing time and that I was gonna be gone. And the people that I loved and I grew up with that made such a powerful impact that instilled true love and goodness and, and, and being a good person uh, and that, that were there for me whenever I fell that I might not be with them one day. It was incredibly difficult for, for me to deal with. It still is. And, and so then it wasn't until I got married that uh, you know I started being deal with it. And then it was, I hit the Stoics. Seneca really changed my life. Mm. And it was, it was a multiple factors that hit together uh, that, that, that made me understand what what I had to do and how I had to think about life. You know, Seneca, James Allen is another guy, uh, as a man thinketh, uh, that, that short book, you know, it's a short book of aphorisms, 34 pages that, that really changed my life as well. You know, it just changed the way I think it rewired my brain. I, you know, I started to, to, to really take that stuff in. And my, and my wife, uh, as I said, tremendously motivated me. Uh, I, she came, didn't know the language, didn't know anything. And she was able to go from that, you know, and, and build, you know, go to learn English, get her associate's degree, get not, and then finish her doctorate. And here I was, uh, came as a four-year-old, knew, the, you know, I didn't have an accent in Serbian, didn't have an accent in English. Everything came easy to me mm-hmm. up until high school and into college as well. It wasn't until I hit about 21 that, that uh, I started really, this stuff really hit, started hitting me. You know, seeing her do it said, look. Alex Atz, uh, you know, my name is in, in Serbian, it's Atz. So in mm. English, it's Alex. So I told myself, I said, Atz, you got you, you to gotta turn this up. You, you got to make this happen. Uh, don't waste this. You have too many gifts to, to change it. And, and uh, my dream was always to go to law school. And, and finally, uh, you know, we got the, the opportunity to do it. I got in there and I said, you better believe I'm not wasting this opportunity. And so once I got into law school, everything changed. Uh, mm. I, 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 turned, I really turned it up. I pushed myself to be the best I could be in law school, you know, grades wise, uh, organization wise, people wise, uh, and and just making the most out of the opportunity of, of being able to study, not have to work, and and having evenings to to do what I wanted to do. So I, I read, I worked hard, I, I I built to become the person I wanted to be. At the end of it all, uh, I graduated with with a fantastic job. You know, I I graduated with a job two years in. You know, after mm. the first summer in, I was already, uh, you know, after the second summer in, I was already locked in with a job. Uh, I was voted by my classmates to be commencement speaker. It, it was, it, I mean, it really turned out exactly how I wanted. And it taught me an important lesson that I did look at things the right way coming in to law school. And that nothing was, nothing was done. And all the things that happened uh, were not an impediment to my success. And, and it, it, thank God it, it kind of turned out that way. Wow. There, okay. A lot to unpack there. A lot to unpack. There. A lot, a lot to unpack. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I, I like it. I like it when people give me long answers. All right. First of all, first thing I want to touch base on theosis as an Orthodox Christian myself, theosis is like the one thing that every single day when I wake up gives me hope in life. I understand where you're coming from. And I have felt a lot of the things that you felt. And I would just tell you that I've struggled with the same thing of like, oh man, how do I reconcile the two of like being afraid of death and being afraid of my legacy, but also like believing that, you know, in the deification of the soul from a philosophical, from a theological, from all kinds of standpoints. And eventually I just accepted like, does it really matter if I have to reconcile the two? I can't control it anyway. It's not, it's not like, like all I can do is just be a good human being to the best of my ability every single day and hope the process works itself out. That's it. And when I started recognizing that, a lot of things started getting easier for me because, you know, I'm also really like a lot of things you're saying are resonating with me when I think about like my early 20s and things like that. Like my wife always jokes and she says, do you wish you would have, you know, you never really got to make money the way you're making money uh, as a single guy, you know, because she always (laughs) jokes like, hey, my target bills are are huge and and things like that. And (laughs) I always I always tell her, I was like, you know what, babe? If I was making the kind of money I'm making now as like a 23 year old, I would have all blown it on just like stupid crap. Like the maturity yeah. level, the maturity level would not have been there. Um, 
And I don't know if I would have, like a lot of the things that I've learned and discovered about money in particular came from, you know, the struggles with money and figuring out how to make money and figuring out, you know, so, so there's just, there's all kinds of avenues we can go down in there. But the third thing that I really wanted to touch on was something powerful you said, where you said you struggled with mental health to a degree and almost like the shame in ethnic communities that you have around that. Absolutely. And part of that is to even as a society get to a point where you can even discuss mental health, you have to be uh, an incredibly wealthy society. That, that's why we have the luxury of doing that in the United States. You know, yeah. kids, kids getting bombed right this very moment in, in Israel and Palestine, they, they don't have the opportunity to worry about mental health this very moment. There's bombs falling. Right. Okay. That's right. priority number one or Syria or whatever. So I do want you to touch base a little bit on that because there is this extreme pressure, especially within ethnic communities. Like I'm talking about like, I'm not talking about Serbs or Croats or, or whoever who've been here for like four or five generations. You're in like a different ball game. I'm talking about like <laughs> off the boat. <laughs> like we are here now, old country mindset, new country world. How did you overcome those pressures to like finally accept like, hey, obviously you mentioned the Stoics helped you a lot, but you know, was there like another switch that, that went off? Yeah, I, I, man, we, there's so many avenues, and I love it because we, we are always thinking the same mindset. You know, touching on why the mental health even became an issue, you know, as I'm sure you you know, my, as you do know, uh, you know, my, my family comes 20 kilometers from the Asinolis concentration camp, and that mm-hmm. is probably one of the most brutal concentration camps around. And my grandparents, uh, God, thank God, are survivors of that. And of Yesenovitz? You know, of, of Yesenovitz, yeah. My, my grandfather's still alive. He's 86. Wow, I didn't know that. I, I, yeah, I, I have a recording of him. He's still to this day afraid to share that story uh, for the fact that mm. they go back to Croatia uh, every now and again. So I have something in, that maybe I'll be able to share one day when uh, when he's not around, but I would love for him to be able to share that uh, while, while he still is uh, because I think it's a really powerful story. And that, and that's part of it. The fact that I've, I've experienced that story with him and to understand what he went through and my family went through and how many people died. And then I'm here living in the greatest country in the world with all the opportunity that I, that I want in my hands. And I'm struggling with mental health. I'm struggling with anxiety. You know, mm. that was the, the things that were going through my, my mind. And here, my parents, my dad was working 20 hours. My mom was working 20 hours. They weren't sleeping. They didn't mm. have time for anxiety. Yep. They didn't have time to work hard. It, it wasn't even a, almost a sense of, of me. It was a sense of letting them down that yep. the anxiety was was being created. And I think that's where it is in the ethnic communities and with the people uh, that, that come with their parents, uh, mm. that stigma. Because the parents, you know, they're, they're starting fresh. They're starting with nothing. They're living in one-bedroom apartments with five, six people like I did. You know, we, and it was refugees coming in, in my apartment. You know, we had eight people at a, t- at a time, sometimes nine in a small two bedroom apartment with one bathroom, uh, you know, in the first four years, there wasn't time for, for mental health. And, you know, it was just, you got to go and the stuff that you're dealing with, you just got to go. And so it was, it was just a sense of shame. And, uh, you know, it took a while until I hit the Stoics until, uh, look, it took until my grandpa passed one of my grandpas. Mm. I was very blessed. I had three great grandmas. Wow. um, And alive again, and and being so close to the cinema is a true blessing. And it wasn't until my grandpa passed when I turned 20, 20, uh, what was it, 2015, that uh, alarm bells went off. Mm. And it was, do not waste this. This is the first person in your life that, that uh, serious, you know, like grand, great grandparents, you kind of always think that you're, you're blessed to have. But then grandparents, you're like, they should almost be there, you know. And then they go yeah. and you're like, you got to go. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I really started exploring. I, I said, I need, to get, I need to get out of this rut. And I was willing to do anything. And it was just lucky enough to where it wasn't just the Stoics. It was a number of things that came together. The Stoics, uh, David Asprey, biohacking. I got very much into biohacking and sleep and, mm. you know, blue eye blocking glasses and keto diets and cold showers. Uh, so it, it was that. It was the Stoics. It was just shock Jordan your Peterson. system. Just shock your system. Yeah. And Jordan Peterson. Yeah. You know, my dad... Uh, taught me a lot of and my parents, they taught me a lot of great lessons, uh, through their example. But a difficult part for me was 
reconciling the intellectual part of that, mm. the, th- the things that I was going through yeah. and explaining th- those lessons that they were teaching me in the intellectual way that I needed to understand them. And Jordan Peterson came around. It was right around there, 2016, 25, late 2015, that I really got into him and it just started clicking. Yeah. And it was all of that that came together and it said, you know, that, and that's how I, I came out. Of it. I got lucky enough to where it was a confluence of, of uh, factors that just said time to wake up and time to, uh, you know, bite the bullet and, and do this. And not only that, use that adversity to give you the strength because the fact that anything that you'll pro- probably experience later will pale in comparison and it's going to help you to overcome it if it does come again. Yeah, that's, oh man, that's so interesting. Like so many things you touch base on there, like it, there's like the, sh- like the shame you're discussing about what your struggles are versus what your parents' struggles were and what your, I mean, I've talked about this on the podcast before. Like my dad, my dad was basically a deserter. I mean, he lived, like I was talking to him and by he doesn't consider himself a deserter and, and international law does not consider himself a deserter. It was a civil <laughs> right. war in Bosnia. You cannot desert a civil war. It's impossible. Okay. <laughs> right. There was no aggressor nation. There was, it was, it was internal factions. That's why when he came back, he couldn't get arrested, but he peaced out. He was like, I'm not doing this crap. Have you lost your damn mind? Like he, he, um, <laughs> he, he, there was a skupština in, uh, which is like a, what would you call that? Like a city council almost. Like, yeah, like a like a council. Yeah, city council depends on wh- where it is. Maybe like a small parliament type deal. Yeah, but like a scoopshna for like a uh, for for shamats for uh, for like the little uh, municipality. Yeah, and definitely council, I would say. Yeah, and these people are rabble rousing about the war, and apparently my dad stands up. You know, my family we were like we were farmers, like we had this ranching operation, still have it, and <laughs> my dad stands up and says, "Gentlemen, you morons will get us all killed. I have." pigs that are smarter than you idiots and walked out and that didn't make him a lot of a lot of friends in the middle of a war and and i think about like how much courage that took at 30 and then i look at my life at 30 i'm like what the hell's wrong with me but you have to put that within context because let's go back 150 years. My ancestors over here, you know, uh, uh, raising rebellions against the Turks and, and, and being beheaded. Like my wife always jokes, like all your ancestors were basically beheaded. I'm like, kind of, yeah, they were. <laughs> um, okay. That's significantly harder than anything my dad had to do. So like, if we're going to play this game, it's a game you can never win. So you have to live in the moment kind of back to the Stoics, like take a real realistic approach of your own situation and say, okay, what are the pieces that are moving the puzzle in my life? Not anybody else's, my life. And the, the more you accept that, I think the easier things get. Oh, I, I agree. You know, you just, and it, the key is like you said, it's being in the moment. And, and that's the Stoics that, that brought me because life is overwhelming. Mm. In, in every facet of itself, you know, the, the existential questions, the material uh, survival uh, questions, you know, the day to day. And so it, it, uh, one of the big things for me was I was constantly thinking about all this, all these things at once and thinking about it all at once distracts you from being able to do anything. And uh, you got to be able to zone in on that one thing. And it, it, that was one of the things that you know, I, I said, I got it. Ah, it's one at a time here. You got to set a goal and build on that thing in the moment and focus on that goal uh, and, and build through it. And it was a great line uh, by James Allen. And I still struggle with this uh, often uh, in As a Man Thinketh. And, you know, the, the context of it is I still even maybe don't even know what I want to do in life. I'm still finding <laughs> yeah. my way. Correct. Salk, Salk is there and I love it. I love my job. Don't get, I, I work in an incredible law firm. I love being an lit, attorney. I love being a litigator. You know, where, where do I want to go still? There's so much uh, of life and so much opportunity out there and I'm, and I'm unsure. And so that can, that can be overwhelming. And then going back to James Allen, he said, if you correct, you know, and, and connecting with the Stoics, if you correct what you're looking at and what you're doing and doing the best that you can at whatever task that you are set your, your mind on, you're ultimately, the things that come later are going to go well and you're going to yeah. do well and, you're, and, you're, and things are going to find their way. 
and it, that's the way that uh, I've been kind of living. And that's the way that I think is, is the way to overcome, whether it's anxiety, whether it's mental health, whether it's shame, whether it's fear of death, uh, what, whatever, you're, you know, whether it's a health issues, like other serious health issues. Uh, I, I feel so bad that the, the young lady uh, that was in the, in the podcast recently, <laughs> you know, my wife and I were listening to her and we were both bawling. Uh, she, she was uh, had the, the heart. Page, hey, thank hey, you hey, very page. much. You're, you guys went to college together. Yeah. Um, you know, I was listening to her, and my wife and I were driving the car. We we're both bawling our eyes out, and and I looked, I turned to her, and I said, "How do how do I follow her? Mm. How do I how do I say that uh, I had a struggle when when you hear her story? Mm. You know, it's a it, it, you know, and those are things that I, I think about a lot. But it, again, it's getting back to focusing on on. I live, I'm living the life that I'm living. Mm-hmm. It's a blessing at the same time, but at the same time, I can't feel bad about it. I can't, I can, what I can do is try to do the best to make everybody get into a better position. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm passionate about on the side is, you know, getting to these, these life extension technologies and using the gifts that God has given us and, and the reason, you know, I, I don't see a, a disconnect between reason and, and faith. I think there's too many people these days see it as being two distinct things as science and faith being incompatible yeah. or, or, or whatever. And it's, you know, that computers, the fact that we have these high tech computers and all these things that are somehow incompatible with faith. And I, I heard one of the uh, Christian apologists uh, a while back, uh, again, it's not in the Orthodox faith, but I try to take in everything that I can and apply it uh, in ways that the Orthodox faith will, will allow it to. And, you know, he thought the way he thought about it was, God was the first computer programmer and, and, uh, DNA is the first, uh, the first word word is DNA, the language of the word, you know, not mm. just the Bible is the yeah, DNA. A logos action there. Correct. Correct. Yeah, and yeah. So there's no disconnect with any of that. And, um, I, I kind of went off on the tangent there. So, uh, no, but the fine. point was the point was, which I do often. So I apologize to anybody that's listening. Uh, I, I go off on a lot of tangents because, you know, a billion things always going through my, through my mind, but it's, uh, you know, being in the moment and, oh, uh, not, uh, you know, not feeling bad. So these life extension technologies, uh, the way that I can help is if I get myself to a good position that I can fund, uh, these kind of initiatives that, that can help people that can mm-hmm. help people overcome. I can use my, my, uh, platform if I, if I do well to be able to speak out about, these things, mental health issues, to be able to speak out about health issues, to be able to, to do these things, to, to get people to realize, you know, the, the kind of things that we're funding today, the kind of things that we're worried about when uh, death is on the doorstep. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't believe in God, especially death is on the doorstep, where are we uh, funding our money to the, to the bombs uh, uh, that are, that are falling in Israel and Palestine today? That's what we're, Unfortunately. Funding. you know, we're, we're, we're fighting over and look as a Serb, Land is important. I get it. Believe me, Kosovo. I come from a, a land that is historically Serbian, and today is no longer that. I, I understand what land means, but you know we have existential uh, question here before us. What are we mm-hmm. going to fund here? What are we going to think about here? What are we going to focus on? There's no reason that we can't find compromise in, in whatever it is, whether it's uh, war, politics, life work or professional careers, setting aside petty uh, office uh, in, uh, differences, you know, gossip over the, over the water cooler, as they say, you know, th- these are all things that can be applied. Just think about the bigger things in life. You know, it, it, it's easy to get caught up in the small, but think about the bigger. Yeah. I mean, all the BS that we <clears throat> as a society worry about, I mean, being freaking Elon Musk is trying to put rockets onto Mars and we're over, you know, <laughs> over here worrying about the most stupid crap. That I understand is emotional and I understand is complicated, but we also have to look towards the future. And yeah, I think about even something as simple as, you know, at Vanderbilt, they developed, I mean, it's prototype stage. It's going to be a decade before this is ever a realistic option, but they're working on a um, synthetic kidney for kidney, for kidney failure patients. There are over 250,000 people on a kidney transplant list right now that don't have a kidney and you have to, it's not just about getting a kidney. It's about getting a kidney that works with your body. Right. Cause there's different types of matches. If this thing works at Vandy, 
that would revolutionize, that would make dialysis non-existent. Think about that. Yeah. Why aren't we pouring all the money on God's green earth into that instead of, like you said, funding bombs? Um, No matter where those bombs are falling, I think let's take politics out of the equation. A decent human being, keyword decent, can agree that bombs falling anywhere, probably a bad idea. (laughs) Probably a bad idea. Let's just go ahead and call it. If you disagree with that, go ahead and stop listening. Like we're... We're, we're completely on different, different wavelengths as human beings at that point. Because we should be at a point in society where we don't need the bombs. <clears throat> so, it's a... But we've progressed far enough. Yeah, like I said, we're over, trying to get to over, Mars. To, to overcome some of these biological uh, urges, you know. And, and those are the, you know... We, we don't do enough thinking about today, you know, today, especially today, uh, how much we are impacted by our, by our biology. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we think that we can overcome, uh, you know, ha- habits. Habits are so directly tied with our biology. It, it's it's incredible. I read a, a book recently, and I'm so terrible with names. I read a lot of I read a lot, and I can never remember the names of these books uh, of what they were. And uh, one of them was talking about how you know our biology is tied with habit and how it, it's all connected. And you know these are the, these soci- sociological issues are so tied to biology. Uh, and so tied to recognizing uh, the external as a, as a threat and and its and its importance for survival. So when you know these things, uh, you know, in Israel and Palestine, with Serbs, Croats, uh, Bosniaks, uh, Albanians, whatever, it, it, this sense of other, uh, the biology within us recognizes that as a threat. And it, and it's mm-hmm. only in a really advanced society that you can start to counter kind of those urges and and and, and those and those ideas. And I mean, we've we've seen it right now. Uh, with COVID, uh, mm-hmm. the fact that, and I've been very scared about that. You know, another person I really listen to a lot is uh, are the Weinstein brothers and mm-hmm. uh, Eric and, and Brett and uh, Jordan Peterson and, and Weinstein uh, were uh, and Eric were and uh, Brett, sorry, were on Joe Rogan a, a few years back, and, and we're not going to get into this discussion, but they were talking about uh, how the biological underpinnings of World War II and, and genocide and, and what uh, leads you to, to do that. And this rise of COVID, and I mean, it's, it's affected the whole world. It's, mm-hmm. it's scary because not only is there this sociological aspect, this is a true biological. It's yep. a, there's a real virus and, and we're looking at it. Uh, we, we've gone to the, come to the point where we're looking at other people as viruses. And mm. with with the with the you know as how much our 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 technology and social media and the impact influence of Twitter, uh, especially Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, it, there's an people are starting to hate each other. They're starting to be fearful of each other. Uh, you know, Rachel Maddow was talking yesterday. I, w- I was watching how we're going to have to rewire ourselves mm-hmm. to recognize when someone's not wearing a mask that they're not a threat. Now, well, let me, because let me, the new let me CDC on- guidance is. Let me hop on yeah, that for please, just please. a second. That comment please. in particular, because I think there's more depth to that comment. Because what she's really saying, if you peel back the layers, not just her, anybody, is I'm going to have to rewire my brain because I can't und- identify who's not in my tribe as easily anymore. <laughs> when you really peel back the layers and forget Rachel Maddow, take her out of the equation. I don't, I don't know. Make it Sean Hannity. Make it somebody on the right. Who 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 now is pissed off that you know uh, now I can't identify who who who's uh, who's uh, who's uh, who's you know with me politically because they're a Trump they're, supporter yeah whatever whatever, whatever. <laughs> I'm just trying to get back to the deeper meaning of it. We yeah. look like what you said, and I'm sorry I interrupted you, but what you're what you're saying is no, no. we're looking biologically for our tribe because quite frankly culturally we've lost tribes. We don't have communities anymore the way we used to as a society. Um. So we're looking for that longing and we're falling into the trap of our worst instincts when it comes to th- just the simple fact that like we've got this existential threat in this virus. It's actually killing people. And we're, her- we're over here complaining and bitching about uh, uh, politics. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like how stupid of a species are we? We're, we're so, so far behind. And, and I'm glad you interrupted me on that because and maybe, maybe you were reading what I was afraid to say because this is this is your podcast you know how tribal we are but again it's tied to the biology part and Mm -hmm. not only how tribal we are how the tribalism 
is endangering this progress that we are making. The fact that we can worry about the mental health issues, we can worry about uh, the environment now because we're, we're progressing. Uh, and and, and we're, we're now at a point where tribalism is, is preventing us from being able to speak the truth. And the tr speaking the truth and having open dialogue is what is going to keep us moving forward. And those are the things that, that are scary with this COVID thing. And with all these other things is the fact that we have to hide in this tribalism is, is that we are hiding uh, these important conversations because the, the truth is what set me free. I mm. mean, it's so cliche, right? The it truth really is, is but free. it's true. But it's, it's so true. It wasn't until I recognized the truth of, of my situation in my life in the earlier part that gave me the liberty and, and the strength to, to move forward. And that's the same thing uh, today, too. It's the truth is what's going to have us uh, moving forward because, uh, and Jordan Peterson talks about this all the time again, because I'm always listening to him uh, when I can. Uh, if, if you're not speaking the truth, what's the, what's the alternative? The alternative is never going to be better than speaking the truth. And that's why we're all eating each other alive here on social media. That's why we're, we're all acting up. That's why we're all struggling with mental health. That's why, because everyone's so afraid of speaking their truth. Because they're, they're, they're so afraid that their truth is going to offend somebody or it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. And, and we have to get to a point where just because you speak the truth doesn't mean you're, you're, you're gonna, it's going to hurt your feelings. It's, it's, it just means that we look at things differently. Our perceptions are differently. Our life experiences, which is completely applicable today, are different. And the fact that we can share the truth is what is going to allow us to be able to reconcile our, those life experiences, reconcile our different view, cultural view, viewpoints, reconcile the fact that we inevitably will belong to some tribe in some way. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to just be a, a, a political thing, an ethnic thing. It's going to be a tribe of lawyers. You know, mm -hmm. we're moving into the 21st century technology. I, you know, I'm fascinated with technology. Though That's another uh, thing that's really helped me. The fact that we're moving so quickly, I got to move. You got to keep moving. And mm -hmm. it's not just that. It's as a, a lawyer, as, as, a, as a business person, as an investor, as you. As you. <laughs> uh, we have to think outside of our tribes in that profession. Be, uh, my wife, uh, she's a pharmacist now, a uh, doctor of pharmacy. They're already teaching uh, in that that they have to move beyond just thinking about pharmacy. You know, the healthcare itself is, is an, a, a team effort. It's, it's moving outside the tribes of pharmacy and moving into the, the doctor side. It's, it's moving into the physician assistant. It's, as lawyers, you gotta be able to cross, cross into the business perspective. You gotta cross into marketing. You know, it's all applicable. And if we're not mm -hmm. able to have open conversations, if we're not able, able to speak with each other, we're not gonna be able to do well politically, socially, professionally, answering the most difficult questions of our time, uh, you know, and th that's something we really got to do. And, and that's what, something that really scares me these days, the fact that we're moving into, into a period where we can't do that. And good, honest people can't have good, open conversations because they're afraid uh, of the consequences, not just, not just uh, touchy issues, but, you know, whatever it may be, even, even in their jobs, they're afraid to speak up uh, speak truth to power, as they say, right? That's a, even a, even though it's yeah. a postmodernist uh, idea. There's a lot. There's truth in that, you know. And mm -hmm. it's important to be able to speak truth to power. And and people are just afraid. There was, I, I didn't get a chance um, to dig in. I'm really looking forward to it. There was a book by somebody, and I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't know the name of, of the author, but it talked about. It was written in 1941. It talked about. Uh, it's called that capitalism. The end of capitalism is going to be managerialism and that we're going to move okay. to a society where we're run by managers and, and, and you can see it. We're running by in a society by experts in quotes. Mm -hmm. I don't care how good I get at anything. I will never consider myself an expert in anything because I'm, I know I'm human. I'm flawed. I, I know things well for sure, but I don't think I'm ever going to be to the point where I'm going to say, this is exactly what should be done. I don't need your input. And that's where we're kind of moving in the society that we're at. We have experts that are dictating, regardless of, of, of again, whether it's politics, health, even professionally. We have experts dictating what it is, what the truth is. And there's fear of pushing back on that because of your job, your, your, your ability to move up in life, your ability to, to be successful. And those are, I think, very problematic trends that we're getting into. And especially now with, with the ability to 
everyone to see what we're saying. You know, this, this, this interview, this discussion, this will be forever. Mm -hmm. And I'm confident enough of the stuff that I've gone through it that I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to go through a life of faith. And I think it's going to, it's going to hinder us uh, to make progress. I think I one of the, I'm packing a lot there again, as usual. You're good. You're good. I like it. Well, and I think, I think back at my own experience and like what gave me the courage to start the podcast. Cause it is, I mean, I'd be lying to you if I told you when I started this podcast that I wasn't worried about like, okay, is somebody going to say something stupid? Am I going to say something stupid? Um, but here's the thing, like my life experience in the sense, specifically in business, i the biggest start the biggest fear people have is like losing their ability to make money i'll always figure out a way to hustle like i'll always figure like i'll go sell stuff on ebay if i have to i'll go uber i'll go whatever <laughs> i'm not going to be silenced in the sense of like having honest conversation because quite frankly i think the podcast is about as controversial as like a paper napkin it's pretty pretty <laughs> vanilla on that front I, I just want people to have conversation and dialogue what i'm worried about is dialogue being eliminated dialogue being taken away dialogue being stifled dialogue being uh, systematized into just, uh, this tribe, that tribe. It's like, like <laughs> you should be able to have a conversation about a topic you disagree with without shutting down. It's as simple as that. That's what you should be striving for. And if you're not there yet, that's fine. But work, like, go find people you disagree with and try to have a conversation where your emotions don't get out of hand. Work on that. And it's okay if they do just try to get better. Because that's how you actually, because once people get pissed off and once people get emotional, nothing gets done. Nobody, nobody, like, like, like let's take abortion, for example. When have you ever seen an argument about abortion and one of the sides be like, oh man, you're so right. I'm changing my opinion. <laughs> ever, ever. Why? Because it turns into a shouting match every time and people emotionally shut down. That's why. So yeah, there's, there's all, all kinds of topics there. I think, you know, the, the emotional part is, is, is what we're so sheltered because we're so blessed. Yeah. Whether you're looking at blessed or lucky, whatever, that uh, our society has progressed so much. And that's why these, these, these thoughts about our, or, that we're in a bad place are, are so crazy. We have the longest lifespan. We have, uh, we're on, on the pace to eradicate global poverty, not just yeah. U.S. poverty, global poverty. And we are now in a point where we're, we're scared to hurt somebody's feelings. That's it. It, that's a bad thing, but it's also a beautiful thing. Think about how far we've moved forward. The fact that we can think about like, I don't want to say something because I don't want to hurt your feelings. That, that is a, a, a genuinely, generally virtuous idea that we right. want to be such good people that we want to, you don't want to hurt anybody. We want to be caring. We want to be uh, em, em, empath, empathetic, you know, sympathetic, <laughs> both all of the above that, that we're there. It, it's, it's great. And, but we got to realize that it's, it's going to happen. It's never yeah. going to be, somebody's feelings are going to be hurt. The controversial uh, Jordan Peterson, the big Kathy Newman interview, uh, which I go to watch a million times. Uh, and I think it's all the, I don't know how many tens of millions of views it has now. Uh, I watch it all the time. And it was very combative. It was very uh, adversarial conversation. But he, he made a good point. Uh, because she asked him, uh, you know, do you, do you, are you offensive just to be offensive? And that was kind of the context. And he said, I'm not offensive to be offensive. If you if you can think you're going to be offensive, that's just how the reality of the situation, if you can think you're going to be offensive because there's going to be somebody in a world of 7 billion and a world, world where we're continuously going, that's going to disagree. That's going to be, that's going to be inevitably hurt. And it doesn't, as long, you know, if it's emotionally, I get it. If it's the fact that they're disagreeing with your opinion, I get it. But let's talk about it. Tell me why you're, 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 it hurts you emotionally. Explain to me what you've gone through in life. What's that deeper thing that you're experiencing that's yeah. led you to struggle with, with, with what I'm saying right now? Let me, let me understand. Because out of that whole thing, that whole understanding, maybe things will get better for me. I'll learn something. I'll become a better person. Well, and it's almost like on cue. My camera just died, which anybody watching this, sorry. <laughs> anybody listening. That's you're still I, I, good. Did, I thought it was my end. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. Well, we got to wrap this up anyway. But um, all right. Alex, Atzo. Anybody call you Sasha? Ne never Sasha. Never, never Sasha. Sasha. Just, okay. uh, just... I've been Alexander Alex Atzo. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. You go back to 18-year-old you. Wide-eyed, bushy-tailed. 
what's one piece of advice you give yourself knowing all that you know and knowing all that you know about yourself at this stage of life? Yeah, I, I thought about this uh, a lot um, because uh, I, I thought, how would I, would I want to change who, who I became? And, you know, looking back, I said, I don't want to change who I became. I, I want to go through everything that I went through. But the advice I would give at a, as an 18-year-old and advice I give my, to myself today that I even struggle with is don't be afraid. Mm. Don't be afraid of death. Don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of struggle. Uh, don't be afraid of being hurt. You know, don't be afraid of, of anything that might go not as planned. Because the more time you spend on being afraid, the less time you're going to have to do positive things, to make an impact, to improve your life, to improve your situation. And ultimately, if you aren't afraid, you're going to use those experiences of failure of fear of uh, you know those things that don't go the way as they planned positively that fearlessness will create an, an incredible outcome in the end and i struggle with that today and I'm, and you know i say it as an advice to 18 or so i say it to myself today it's going to be hard for all of us it's, it's just nat natural but if you can implement it i think in most of the situations in your life you'll have a great outcome in the end and you'll live a, a happy uh you'll be satisfied with the way you lived your life in itself. I love it. Don't be afraid guys. Don't be afraid. And, uh, and you know what? Sometimes it's okay to be afraid, but don't be, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid. All right, Alex, how can, uh, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, I'm on uh, every social media platform that there is. I, I my, my platforms are locked up, but I'm on Twitter, Alex, A L E K S D J U R I C I C. Uh, that's across the board, whatever social media platform uh, you're looking for, you can connect with me. Uh, you, you'll be able to find me. That, that's my that's my handle everywhere. Perfect. Perfect. Check out Alex. Get in touch with Alex if you want to. If you're, uh, if you're uh, interested in learning more about Sal, check that out. Um, and outside of that, man, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I, I, it was a great conversation. Uh, look forward to maybe talking in the future again. Yeah, I wish we had a little bit more time. But like I said, it's funny. I let my ca I left my camera on. We had some technical issues and we had to like delay by whatever it was, 40 minutes or so. And then I had my camera on before that. So my camera battery died. And I was like, crap. Oh. Uh, typically, typically, I don't let that happen. But it, it just did. Um, look, folks, manhoodpod.com. Um, check it out. If you have... Uh, compliments, people you want us to interview, constructive criticism, keyword constructive, don't just complain, you got to offer a solution, holler at us, send me an email at info at, at manhoodpod.com. And outside of that, we'll talk to you.